Hello everyone, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I am your one and only host, Monica. Welcome back to the show. I've been gone for a while. And you know what, your girl is back on her grind. Your girl is back to making podcasts, okay? Listen, I say this all the time, but I'm, I'm back, okay? I'm back, alright? This week we're going to be talking about Mindhunter, which is a show I recently finished watching. And I started watching Mindhunter when it first came out because it kind of intrigued me. I've always been someone who is into uh, procedurals, cop dramas, anything with lawyers, stuff like that. And I like those kind of shows, but Mindhunter is a show that's very much different from your everyday cop procedural like Bones or Law and Order, you know? The show takes place in 1977 and it basically studies uh, criminal psychology. It is a TV show that delves into the gruesome murders of multiple women com- and these women have been murdered by serial killers. It's created by Joe Penhall and there are episodes directed by David Fincher, which you can see especially in the first episode with the overhead shot. It's a really great show. It's so smart. It's phenomenal. It's based on a book by John E. Douglas and Mark Olshaker and it is executive produced by David Fincher. The show follows um, these two FBI agents, Holden, Holden Ford, I think, and Jonathan Groff, Bill Tench. Wait, no. Yeah, Holden is Jonathan Groff and Bill Tench. Yeah. It follows the two of them and they team up as instructors in FBI's Rhodes School, a job that takes them to police departments across the country to share the approach of solving crimes but in a way that doesn't just throw people in jail, but how they studied the psychology of the perpetrators as well to see why these men commit the crimes that they do. And of course, in 1977, it was a novel approach to think of criminals as people and try to like emphasize with them in a way and try to understand why they do it because a lot of lawmakers, a lot of uh people in law enforcement then and now just believe that you know bad guys are bad guys and they do bad things you need to throw them in jail point blank period right and of course these skeptical cops have a way of like approaching them in a manner that is disrespectful to say in like the nicest way possible but uh they still ask for their help in like investigations in local um in local investigations in their areas it's a great show it's so interesting and smart and I think the thing I love most about this show is that it studies serial killers but it studies serial killers in a different way than we have in society especially in American society where serial killers are seen as like hot first and then murderers later and they focus more on like their looks and how they got away with it how these men are smart and conniving and yeah all those stuff but you have to study like where they came from, how they grew up, what led to them becoming murderers, where where they faced abuse. Like most of these serial killers blame um, the mothers, you know, like how their mom didn't take care of them well enough and their dad wasn't in the picture. And there is sometimes some sexual deviancy behind why these killers commit crimes. And the show basically focuses on the FBI's creation of the behavioral science unit in the 1970s and I really do find it interesting because I don't like serial killers no one likes serial killers right I'm not gonna side with somebody who goes around murdering people and then tries to excuse why they did what they did no it's disgusting and it's gross 
but the show takes the time to look at the internal circuitry i guess of its serial killers and it helps with like the two men um going along and like basically guiding us through the story there is also the psychology professor wendy carr who was introduced to the show as well and i like her a lot i think she's pretty cool and also she's a lesbian so shout out to the gays but um one great thing about the show is that they don't they fully present these people as who they are like these are killers these are murderers and I think the one thing that like I love and hate about the show is Holden who is Jonathan Groff's character because Jonathan Groff he just seems like a square like an everyday trustworthy guy but when you watch like season one of the show he comes off as very very nerdy in a way but um he loves the work that he does and it becomes very obvious that he loves the work he does because he becomes obsessed with it and he becomes obsessed with understanding why these killers do what they do and even emphasize em, 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 I don't want to say emphasizing he becomes more empathetic with these men you know um Holden and Bill's whole approach how they are gathering data for the behavioral science unit they are going to meet with previously convicted killers to determine whether there are connections between the mindset of the murderers you know they go and they interview these murderers they interview um uh jerry brudos brudos yeah i believe and ed kemper who is like um one of the main serial killers that they focus on in season one and season two is more focused on the atlanta uh, child murders and we will get to that but in season one, it's mainly about like how they interview Ed Kemper and they learn more about how these men work on the inside of their minds. And I think the show does a good job of displaying how even though these men come from mitigated circumstances, like I'm not, I'm not trying to feel sorry for any kind of serial killer, not at all. But I think that the show does a good job of you know they're taking the time to understand why these serial killers do what they do why do these men channel their resentment towards women in through murder you know in like they hate women like they try to understand who these men are and why they would start to take play take part in a cold-blooded killing as if it's like some kind of hobby you know but you see in holden's character who is very much he gives he gives very much like this is my first day on the job like this is my first real job you know he's giving us that he's giving us that energy it shows that the more he takes the time to show empathy to these men and interview them and try to understand them and like get them to like open up more he will go to lengths where you see his own morality kind of like shift away from what is normal he will say things in the presence of everyday people during an interview with a serial killer that will make people look at him and say huh what and it got to the point where they're interviewing a serial killer and to try to get hit, hit try to get the serial killer to open up he says something completely out of left field that is so gross and disgusting that i'm not going to repeat here on this podcast but he says that and the serial killer does open up but 
he has the tape erased and thrown out, which causes a whole investigation with Eternal Affairs on the Behavioral Science Unit. And it is important for their work to try and get the serial killers to tell, talk about their past and like how they did what they did and da 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 da, all that stuff. But when you go to the lengths of like crossing a line and speaking in the way that the serial killer speaks, that should that is a little worrisome to say. And Bill Tench, who is also Holden's partner in the uh, show, he is more like the everyday lawman he doesn't like to share any personal information with interview subjects and he gets really like uncomfortable when Holden starts to like really get buddy buddy with the convicted killers which I would too because if I'm sitting in a room with a serial killer and then my partner is suddenly like sitting right next to them and like is acting all like cutesy and like they're kikiing having a good time I'm sitting there like what's going on here but you can also see that Bill has a problem just communicating in, in general. You know, he's a broad-shouldered man. He has the um, butts cut. He's very much like that guy who looks like he would just sit behind a desk in like every single cop show. But he is like a fully dimensional character when you see his family life with his wife and their adoptive son who is non-communicate, non-communicate, non-communicative sorry guys i can't say words today but tench is very like straightforward like black is black and white is white the world doesn't really exist in gray you know and he is very determined to draw a line between himself and the other various inmates that you see on mindhunter but you cannot really ignore the fact that these serial killers come from homes where they didn't feel loved by their parents and there's an absent mother or mother that assaulted them or hurt them and you never really study what it's like for you know really and most of these serial killers that they interview have a negligent mother in their life or had a negligent mother in their life but there's also the case of the negligent father which you could argue that bill tench is he works a lot uh he only comes home late at night his wife is home all day taking care of their child who is very quiet and shy and doesn't really talk to them and bill has his own problems communicating with his feelings and talking about his day and opening up in general especially opening up to his wife he definitely doesn't want to do it to a serial killer he definitely doesn't want to open up to a serial killer which i understand i get it but um you can see that he even has problems opening up to his wife you know he closes up he doesn't know what to do all out of the time and the one thing that really does make the show, the one thing that really does make the show what it is, is the dialogue. The show focuses more on the story than like gross, disgusting details. Like we know what these men have done. We know that they're disgusting human beings. We know that Jerry Brudos is gross and terrible, but um, the show takes all the dialogue that you need to understand the show and it doesn't turn it into a lecture because with the show that show like this that takes the time to teach you criminal psychology and the criminal psychology behind real life serial killers it could very much turn into that kind of um 
piece of media where they simply tell you what's going on instead of showing you. They do show you some things, but they don't show you everything. They don't focus on like dead bodies or mutilated women or hurting women or anything like that. They focus more on these men and their actions and what led them to do these actions, you know. And I'm not gonna lie, um, I when I first started watching the show, it was kind of boring. It was kind of slow, but I got into it a little bit more because let me tell you something. I hate Holden. I really do. I don't like him, but I feel like for the show, he really does fit like perfectly in this show. And like Jonathan Groff does an amazing job playing him because he has like that soft baby face and he looks like so innocent and trustworthy. He looks like a guy you can meet right off the street. And of course, he gets so invested in learning about criminals and why they do what they do to the point where he just meddles in things that does not concern him he does the most he does it and he does it in the guise of like oh well we're doing this for science we're doing this for the data this is good for the department but like it's weird you know there is an episode where they're interviewing interviewing jerry brudos and he admits to having uh sexual fantasies involving shoes basically what i can say so he buys him a pair of shoes and then you find out later in the episode that he bought the same pair of shoes for his girlfriend and i don't know if this is what they meant to do in the episode but it kind of felt like because i watch too much tv it kind of felt like the show was setting hold it up to be the next serial killer in a way which obviously isn't true because um it obviously isn't true that Holden is going to be the serial killer because it's based loosely off of a book. And I know, like, the two characters Holden and Bill aren't, like, real people. They're based off of two FBI agents. But, um, obviously he hasn't become a serial killer. But that's what happened in my brain. That's what I started to think. And I think that the show wasn't trying to push me I guess me personally towards the realization that Holden is going to become a serial killer but like push us towards how it's not that difficult for men to kind of go down that path you know and um in the beginning of the show in the beginning of season one at least um they're not supposed to sympathize with the murderers obviously they're murderers uh, but Holden, he understands the mind of a serial killer and he plays the game and he pretends that he cares. And what you're supposed to be doing is just like observing, like observing these people and learning about them. And the things that you learn about these men are supposed to help you apprehend future serial killers so you can catch those signs kind of early. And one thing like the the show also does is that it wants you to see that like these are people like these are ordinary people that got up and went to work and they didn't just one day become murderers they didn't one day become monsters but like it's something that kind of like it just it happens not that it just happens but there are mitigating circumstances whether it's like where you were born how poor or rich you were if your parents were around or not what happened in your life whether you were bullied or not bullied easy all these kind of things 
that the show teaches you to understand that serial killers, you can't really identify them in like everyday life. You know, like you're going into Walmart, you're doing your grocery shopping. You won't, you can't tell if the person who's checking you, who's like, you know, scanning your groceries and everything and rigging up your stuff. You can't tell if that person is a serial killer. You can't really judge that person because they're just normal everyday people. And, um, another thing with the show is that because Holden and Bill have been spending so much time interviewing serial killers, looking at their life so intently and like drawing conclusions from their past to their present actions. There was one episode where, um, Holden and another character in the show, who I don't care that much about, but you know, he's there. Um, he's brought in and him and Holden are going to a small town and essentially there's a principal there and he's tickling the kids and they make this unconscious link to him and Jerry Brudos because there are the parallels within the episode or even us as the audience kind of make this link where Jerry Brudos is being interviewed and you see how his sexual deviancy kind of has led him towards a life of murder and destruction and then there is this principal who is beloved in his community who is well respected and well liked and well decorated in all his achievements he tickles kids and it's weird and strange but there's nothing really wrong with it but because Holden meddles in it so much it ends in disaster and you see that um maybe he should have minded his business you know the show is never like black and white there are complex uh little wires have run through every single scenario within every episode and that's what i like the most about this show is that you can't simply just draw a line to like this killer did this because he did that and that and then there we go because you can't ignore the fact that these killers lived everyday life and they were normal people and that you don't know if the person you're sitting next to on the bus or the person you need the copy machine is a murderer and one thing that they do throughout the whole series like the first season second season is they're showing you like little clips of the bk killer's life and you kind of see him just living his everyday life he's this normal guy but i think in season three they were going to lead up to the bk killer i think that's how you say his name B- yeah bk killer and they're showing you parts of his life and everything Oh, BTK Killer. Dang it. I knew I was saying that wrong. Yeah, BTK Killer. I really do wish that um, Mindhunter wasn't canceled after season three. I know that the show was probably really expensive to film and it took two years for season two to come out. Like, I understand all that. But I sincerely wish that they Netflix let them end with season three because I feel like season three would have been so cool. Like, I would have loved to have seen season three. I like the season one. They take the time to, like, set up the whole premise of the show and what they're doing. And then season two, we kind of get into, like, the actions of the show. And I think that season two was supposed to show the failure of their system and how like even though they've collected all this data and they've done all this research and they've interviewed all these serial killers not everything is going to turn out the way it's supposed to and how bringing in the stuff that you've learned and the things you've created within the behavioral science unit even putting that in a real life situation it may not go the way you plan because of mitigating circumstances within the case that you're taking in a real life situation because you're they were just talking to serial killers before, but with season two, they focus on the Atlanta child murders and that takes on so many other challenges, you know, it takes on the challenge of like 
the black community within Atlanta and racism and like who's taking these kids why are these kids out late at night it takes them to poverty socioeconomic status the black community's distrust with the police and politics as well as that and one thing I do want to talk about in season one before I go into season two is that Holden was so like very slowly becoming and kind of taking on certain attributes that the serial killers he was interviewing has. He was being a little more loose with the lips. He wasn't holding back when like because I said before the behavioral science unit was being interviewed by internal affairs because Holden had erased a tape where he had said something very gross and very disgusting when talking to a criminal and he took on the same language that the criminal that the criminals were saying and he took it on so effortlessly and when he was being interviewed by internal affairs he was not very respectful of authority in that moment and homeboy is walking around with a god complex okay and one thing in the show is that they really did try to make us think that Holden was just like the square and this normal person and you know he had a girlfriend Debbie and Debbie was there to like humanize him to make him seem like an everyday normal guy even though he's very much showing these signs of being a weirdo like he was kind of going into that Ed Kemper kind of area of like okay that's strange but with his girlfriend Debbie he seemed like a normal person until she breaks up with him and he just doesn't care he doesn't care that she broke up with him he it, it literally doesn't matter to him and that's when you kind of see okay Holden's going off the deep end and then we find out that Ed Kemper tried to take his own life and he listed Holden as his um security and has his uh, emergency contact. And so it's the season one finale. He goes to see Ed Kemper in the hospital. And then he realizes. That's when he realizes. It's in that moment. He goes to see Ed Kemper in the hospital. Ed Kemper is um, handcuffed to his bed. Sure. But then the hospital staff who are watching them. Basically they leave. And then it's just it's just him it's Holden and it's Ed Kemper and that's when he sees that this guy who was writing Holden letters throughout the season who was being so polite and da 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 this guy is six foot tall like 300 pounds towering over Holden in the season finale and that's when he realizes Ed Kemper is a cold-blooded killer you spent all this time trying to understand serial killers understand where they're coming from and then it turned you were supposed to be studying them comprehending them and then you started empathizing with them and you started speaking their language and adopting their characteristics and their attributes and then here you are in the room with a murderer so Ed Kemper goes in to hug um, Holden and then Holden runs away. He has a panic attack and then we're into season two, right? I feel like season one is so good. Season one also like Holden very much reminds me of those girls on TikTok who talk about how hot um, Richard Ramirez what is was and talking about how like hot that one guy was that... Um, like what was his name Jeffrey Dahmer yes the fact that there was a movie called my friend Jeffrey which was based uh, which was terrible like you made a movie where you humanize a murderer a serial killer a monster and the show is teaching us how 
you can understand serial killers and where they come from, but we're not here to sympathize with them. We're just here to observe them, to comprehend why they did what they did and how the circumstances of their life led to where they are right now, how sexual deviancy sometimes leads into criminal deviancy and all those things. But you have to be careful when you're studying these serial killers not to empathize with them. Don't take their side. You, of course, they're people. They're everyday people. But don't let the fact that they're people and that they're like nerds essentially don't let that um cloud your eyes and your mind from the fact that these people have done horrible things terrible things and they are in prison for a reason they are convicted serial killers all right yeah i think that most people i think people if you're into true crime you should definitely watch mindhunter just like you know it's a it's a slow burn essentially it is a slow burn it's gonna take you a minute to get into it but once you're into it it's so good it really does hold your attention and i think it really does captivate uh, i think it really will captivate true crime enthusiasts um you know and they're like hunger for like information and stuff like that yes so season one mindhunter brilliant amazing season two of mindhunter basically uh centers around the atlanta child murderers and if you know about the case then um I don't really need to go into detail for you, but basically there are these young black boys that have been going missing in Atlanta and the cops don't know what to do. The mayor doesn't know what to do. Um, The mothers of these young black boys who have gone missing, they are, you know, doing it for themselves. They're gathering as much information as they can. They're trying to look into it. You know, there are people who think it's the Klan. There are people who think maybe, you know, Holden, when he goes into Atlanta, to try to figure out the case. He thinks it might be a black man who looks trustworthy because why would young black boys go into a car with a white man? And he thinks that they're going in willingly and excuse me. There's a lot to unpack in season two of Mindhunter, which I really do plan on doing another podcast just on season two of Mindhunter because of the complexity of that season. It really I think that season two of Mindhunter is the best example of just like understanding crime, understanding um, how difficult it is to solve a murder, how you can throw somebody in jail and you can pin everything on them, but you don't know for sure if they did it, if it was really them. And you think, I highly, highly encourage you guys to go watch Mindhunter. It is on Netflix, and you know what? I'm not going to lie. I did get into Mindhunter mainly because Jonathan Groff was in it, because I am a musical theater nerd, okay? Don't hate me, please. But all in all, it's a phenomenal show. I truly do wish that there was going to be a season three, but it seems like Netflix just didn't want to go through with it, which, okay, fine. If you want to make that decision, I I wouldn't have made that choice, but you know... I don't work at Netflix. So that's it for this week's episode of I've Been Meaning to Watch That. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can go to acre.fm and, you know, um, there will be a page to support. Um, I'll put the link in the description. And if you have any suggestions for um, shows that I should talk about and review, please hit me up on D U L C I. D-U-L-C-I-O-M at hotmail.com. 
and I will be back with another podcast. Stay blessed.